0: Welcome to Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. This podcast is for people who want to learn how to thrive with a disability. It is also designed to share insights for those who have friends or family with a disability. Brad Gabrielson, our host, was born with cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair for mobility. Is a North Dakota native and believes life is about managing challenges with understanding, mental toughness, and determination.
1: Welcome to another episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal podcast. Last time we talked about oh, man, a condition, uh, a person born without eyes, and uh, so I got. We're here, with, we're here with Jennifer Miller, and I'm sorry, Mr. Peterson, and uh, Ellen, his name, Ellen Peterson, and Greg Moe, of course, how are you doing?
2: <laughs> doing well, Brad. Um, yeah, the condition born without eyes, that's anophthalmia anap- um, anap- yeah, is the word there, and it's kind of a hard one to say. But it's the condition that, uh, that we talked about that you're either born with, with one or no eyes or one eye is smaller than the other. And this condition with the parents, that child was born with no eyes. So that was an interesting topic. Today, we're talking with Alan Peterson, who uh, is blind. He has a disability and was not born blind. So today we're going to talk about that topic. Is that right, Jennifer?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Thank you, Greg. And so we, we've had a lot of episodes, you know, especially looking into last season on physical disability, um, wheelchair use, wheelchair access, but we haven't talked a lot about vision impairment and blindness, which is a different kind of disability. So we're really happy to have Alan Peterson as our guest today. He was on one of our shows uh, end of last season, And today, we're going to talk a little bit about, I guess, he's going to share some stuff about his life and blindness, vision impairment, just to educate all the rest of us. So welcome, Alan.
3: Good morning. Thank you, Jennifer. Yes, thank you for um, hosting this broadcast. Uh, Excited about being a part of it.
0: And I, I just should maybe mention how Alan and I know each other. So Alan and I, we volunteer together for a local nonprofit called Handy Wheels Transportation. Alan is the has been the the volunteer board president for many, many years. And I, I've been a volunteer board member for about five years. So it we kind of serve uh, the disability population, but it's kind of separate, completely separate from the stuff I do at Roller Ramp. I know him and other people in the disability community. As we get started, um, Alan, could you just tell us a little bit, kind of about
3: sure. about your sure. background? I was raised on a farm in um, Western Minnesota. Um, we we milk cows. We were dairy farmers primarily, and I grew up as a sighted person. I went through a, a high school and college, and I went through veterinary school as and uh, post veterinary uh, education as a sighted person. And uh, when I uh, came to North, I took a position at North Dakota State University in the veterinary science department. And when I arrived, uh, shortly after I arrived uh, uh, and became a part of the faculty uh, and at NDSU in the veterinary science department, I found out that I had a degenerative eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa. And it was going to be a progressive Uh, Degeneration of the eye of the retina of the eye and over a five to ten year period of time uh, I went from a person who had fairly normal sight. um, It it was happening before it was diagnosed too and that's I knew there was a problem and I was hoping it was just a a correction of a person Prescription correction. Uh, when I w- when I went uh, to visit the ophthalmologist, uh, they found out that this I had this disease, which is it, it is a genetic. Uh, it's it uh, it has a origin in in heredity, and I uh, had uh, what is called a recessive form of retinitis pigmentosa. They didn't know how long it would would progress to, 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 you know, to visual impairment or blindness, but, and since there was no family history of it, they thought it was going to be rather slow and that I would re- maintain some sight throughout my life, but um, it went pretty quick uh, in terms of, of how it could have gone. And I lost all of my sight. <clears throat> so I, and there's no family history, so I'm the only. Person when uh, when we came here to NDSU and we had uh, a parent was losing my sight, and and my wife uh, was working uh, wasn't working, uh, but she 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 uh, since has been worked uh, went to work, and we we um, relied on her income and and uh, some income from. Uh, Social Security to make to make it uh, through, um, but I I, uh, I do work uh, I do work in the disability community as a volunteer. Uh, I do have office space at uh, North Dakota State University, uh, and I'm very happy to have that ability to be there. <clears throat>
2: Well, Alan, uh, you had mentioned the term recessive. It was a hereditary trait, but it was recessive. Can you kind of describe what that means?
3: Yes, recessive means that if uh, you, you have to have uh, the genetic uh, genes, uh, the, the two genes that, uh, and they have to be, uh, both parents have to have that recessive form of the gene. Uh, so. When you have those two recessive genes and they are a part of your DNA, then you can develop the disease. I have two brothers; they're normal. They have normal sight. So, and none of our children have it either, because my wife uh, has normal sight. So, but I, 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 I was the lucky one that, a uh, roll of the dice, I, I got it. Wow
2: yeah kind of a uh a pretty high odds then of getting that isn't it even, yes. for, even even for you really with those recessive genes in place with your right. parents right
3: yeah yeah there you know it was probably an order of of uh twenty five percent chance that i could i could have gotten it but in the general population, there's about one in three thousand people that have it.
2: Is that right? And a
3: lot of a lot of the people that have it aren't—they uh, are visually impaired. They are not totally blind. So
2: mm-hmm. there's uh, different really categories or or phases of, or of the of the condition. Yeah.
3: Exactly.
1: Levels, levels of the condition, right?
2: Levels. Levels. Yeah.
1: Different levels. Yeah. yeah. So so how many people in that? You might not even know this, that are totally blind.
3: How many? Uh, like, like yourself. Well, yeah. They, you know, it is, there's some, uh, there's some study that say there's three, about 3% of the people in the general population that have some kind of, some form of visual impairment. But then it, within that population, there's, about a less than one percent that have maybe half a percent that are that have no usable vision.
1: When when you when you were going blind, did you you kind of? I run into a lot of people that become handicapped, and they say, "Why me?" Did you have that phase where you kind of sat back and thought? Why why did I end up with this? Why why couldn't it be somebody else? You know, I was just wondering if you had that, that like, anger phase, and then, you know what I mean? Did you go through any of that?
3: I, yes, well, yes, I do. I I, I guess I understand, because I have a, a medical background, I understand, I understand the... The concept of why, you know, it's still a hard, hard pill to swallow, so to speak. I, you know, my my training it, it took a lot of effort, time, and effort to to gain the education that I got, in you know, a lot of it was was dependent on sight, my ability to see, so. Uh, It it was, uh, it was difficult. It was a difficult thing to, uh, you know, I had, I had an opportunity to, for a job at another university. And because I was dealing with uh, the, the sight loss in a setting where I knew everything, I didn't realize how bad it was we had gotten. So when I went for the interview, I realized, you know, my, my sight, it was, I had already had the diagnosis, but Mm. so I, I knew that I had the problem, but I didn't realize how bad it was getting until I went for that job interview. And, And I was pretty much assured that, that I was, you know, the, best candidate for the position but it became apparent to the people that I was you know was doing the, the, was doing the interview interviewing for the job had a side problem and uh, I didn't get the job <clears throat> so, wow. it was, that must have but been a... that was a that was probably the lowest mm-hmm. point in my life I know
1: I know that when it's, it's all um Said and done. No matter how much education you have, you know, you, know, you probably been, like you said. You probably would have been the best one for the job because you had the knowledge. But because of your eyesight, you know, that's with a lot of people with in chairs. They're very knowledgeable, but because you're in a wheelchair. Seems like it's a little harder to get a job, yeah. yeah. day, you know. You know what I mean? And and uh, some companies just don't want to spend the money it takes them for the accommodations, you know, sure. to make yeah. that job possible for the for the disabled community. So right, right, yeah. What the the
3: unemployment rate and the Community of people who are blind and visually impaired is very, very high. I think there's uh, within the, the employment age range, there's there's only uh, maybe less than 20% that are employed.
2: Okay.
1: And wow. Uh, wow. I have another I have another question, but I know that do you have do you ever get your days and nights mixed up? As far as because I've I've heard through different friends of mine that I know that are not sighted, sometimes they get their days and nights mixed up. Like you know, they, you know, they're wide awake at nighttime, you know, but <laughs> they want to sleep. During the day.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, this this is called circadian rhythm. Uh, oh, your, sure. Your, your, uh your days and nights because uh you don't see light uh you don't see daylight uh sick, the circadian rhythm gets messed up uh, and it's called it's called a, a term called non-24 uh, mm-hmm. so you over time you know you, you your sleep pattern can get messed up uh and i i would have to admit yeah i do have i do have that
0: so Ellen, I, I have a question kind of related to that. So, you know, at you know, during the day there's daylight, at night it's darkness. How does that affect you? Are you able to differentiate, you know, why figure outside and it's sunny as opposed to if you're in a dark room? It's a two part question. Are you able can you with your blindness, can you differentiate? And then I also understand that you have some special glasses that look like sunglasses, but they allow you to see shapes and shadows. Sure. Can you talk about that?
3: Yes. I, I, uh, as far as day and night, uh, I have a hard time with uh, knowing if it's day or night. Um, I, I have some, probably some minimal light perception. You know, if I'm outside and it's cloudy, I probably wouldn't know if it was day or night. But if the sun is out, I can feel the sun on my face. Uh, So I know I do know if if there's sun. uh, Okay. And daylight. uh,
2: So it's uh, a feeling on your skin.
3: Right. Right. Yes, I can feel the the warmth of the sun for sure and if i'm if i'm looking probably at the sun uh, there's there's, there's a there is a amount of irritation but uh i do uh i did become a part of up what's called argus 2. it's it's uh i had surgery to have it Chip put into my retina of my eye, um, my left eye. Uh, that was done in uh, 2018. And then you, ha- uh, with this, with this system, you have a pair of glasses that you wear. That is connected with the chip, and the the glasses are, have a camera on as part of the glasses and the camera communicates with a processing unit and that image is captured by the camera is processed in this processing unit and it's sent to a coil on the glasses and the coil communicates with the, an antenna on the chip and the chip is uh there's uh, there's um 60 60 different electronic tips that that are stimulated uh, in uh, when that signal is received in the chip that are stimulated uh, according to what is processed by the processing unit and that right. signal then is is transmitted through the optic nerve to my brain and I what I see is a pattern of pulses of light so I can pick up. Uh, changes in contrast. Each, uh, like if I'm looking at the plate on the table, uh, I can pick up the outline of the, uh, wow. the plate and I can see the glass on the table. I can see the silverware. Uh, I can see the edge of doorways. I can see uh, the edge of uh, the window. Uh, it, it works on contrast.
0: It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Another question Oh, go ahead,
2: Greg. The... I was going to say, are those custom glasses for yes. each individual? Then, Helen, like uh, for yours, they had to be designed and programmed and whatever to your eyes.
3: Yeah, they took measurements, and they were uh, they were for me, right? Right, and it's uh, the company is called Second Sight, and they're they're a company from Southern California, and they were the people that. Uh, designed uh, that cochlear implants right? for, for people you know who are yeah. deaf and hard yeah, of
1: hearing, yes,
3: yeah, yeah. So they they got into this uh, this uh, technology called Argus 2. Uh, and they've been working on it for several years, uh, um, and it, it's specific to people who are, it was designed for people who have my eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa. Uh, I was the 10th person at the University of Minnesota eye clinic that had this done. Uh, I guess it was the ninth person there were 10 altogether. Um, and I, I've i been a part of their their ongoing study. Now, unfortunately with COVID, uh, that, that company, Second Sight, uh, went under We
2: went, oh,
3: they, they are bankrupt. So we don't know where, at this point, we don't know where this is going.
2: So that uh, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a widespread availability of these glasses uh, at the time no, that you received uh, we, yours?
3: We're, we're a subset of people who are blind, uh, people with retinitis pigmentosa. And you know, it was offered to me by my eye doctor as this possibility. And I took advantage of it. In uh, it, you know, it, it was an ongoing project, kind of a steady. And they they were going to get into other, you know, the broader population of people with uh, with blindness by implanting implanting the chip into the surface of the brain. Yeah, but they, they had just started that uh, when COVID hit. Uh, so we we don't know where that results of that that's steady.
2: so that was more for uh not just the subset but for the general category of uh impairment right.
3: of, of people who have
0: mind yeah so i have another question um kind of going back to some of the basics so do you do you read braille and talk talk to us about that and maybe the process to learn yeah. to read yeah.
3: Yes, uh I have learned, learned Braille. Um and I do use Braille. Uh I don't use it uh a lot because you know a lot of I have a, a computer that uh that is equipped with audio um output so I can I can listen to what's on the screen and that's my that and the phone and I have an iPhone. Um uh, that talks to me uh yeah there's a lot of <laughs> neat technology out there that's you know it's it's becoming it's a part a of lot. our a part of a our community of uh, but I do use braille i've learned i uh, learn braille i 'm not uh, a a great braille user i mean I'm, i i can 't read a braille like some of these some of the people that grew up uh, who are blind uh, from you know from a young age uh they, they can read Braille as fast as a person can like,
2: read. Like read speed fast. readers, yeah.
3: Yes, they are speed readers.
2: <laughs> Hands are really I, moving.
3: Yeah, no, I, yeah Braille was Braille a great tool, but I, I, um, I, I do use it.
2: Yeah. Well, probably out in the public, there's, yeah. uh, areas where they might have Braille, like elevators, you know, up and down. Exactly, and things, right? Exactly,
3: exactly. Uh, hotel rooms are marked with the Braille. Oh yes, because um, when we have, when we have conventions, our uh, uh, meetings, that's that's a tech. That's a I use. Uh, <laughs> I, I can read uh, the, the, the room number.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you're not so, wandering around just knocking on random doors. Right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, I can see that being a great tool out in the public sector.
3: Right. Yeah. A lot lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, restaurants will have a braille menu too.
0: Okay, so I guess we have a couple other questions for you. So what do you have or or what kind of hobbies do you have when you're not working Uh or do you have stuff for fun? Because I know one of the the cool things that I've heard you say, Alan, is that, well, I can do anything except (laughs) drive a car. So what are... Wow. Some things you'd like to
3: do for yeah. fun. Well, I I, uh, um, I like to read books. I like to um, we have audiobooks. Yeah, from the there's audiobooks from uh, called the Talking Book Program. Uh, that's a state service. It's a, it's a federal program and a state service. Uh, mm. That it's, it's located at our state library in Bismarck. Yeah, so we get uh, we can get the players for. Audiobooks, and uh, we can listen to a number of books. Um, and I, I like, I like history. I like uh, science. I like biographies, autobiographies. So I, I'm an aficionado. Of, I, I like to read. Uh, that's that's mm-hmm. that's my main hobby. I like public radio. I listen to a lot of public radio. Um, and I, I listen to a lot of, uh, a lot of sports. I'm. Uh,
2: I'm a native of Minnesota, so the Vikings and the Twins uh, and the Gophers. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. Viking fans are out and wait, But wait. anyway, yeah, that's interesting. Now, so when there's football games on, do you just listen to the – well, here's a question for you. When I'm listening to sports, I'd rather listen to the radio commentary because if you can't see the I TV – it's so much more um, descriptive of what's happening because on the TV, they, uh, yeah. Do you find that to be the case, Alan?
3: Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I prefer the radio by far. Yeah.
2: Yeah, You get a, you get a real visual of exactly what's happening at at, all times. Yeah.
3: Give me a visual image Perspective, like, you know, because I saw, I saw football. I mean, as a person with sight, uh, I can oh, imagine.
2: sure. That. Yeah, you have that uh, that background previous. Because, how old were you, Alan, when uh, you were finally stricken with the the total uh, condition?
3: Yeah, i I was it was about. Um, I was diagnosed. Officially diagnosed when I was 33. Okay. And by the time I was 40, 41, it was pretty much history. Right? My sight was pretty much history.
2: So you have a lot of memories about, and, you know, rather than somebody who was born, say, with no eyes, you have a lot of reference of what your memory and your mind's eye can visualize, even not exactly. seeing them you know, flowers, trees, uh, butterflies, you know, things like that. And, you know, everything that's visual.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I can visualize people based on their voice. You know, uh, I have that, um, memory of people that have a similar voice and I can kind of visualize how they might look.
2: That's interesting because, uh, Everybody always, if they hear somebody you know, on the radio or they're talking with somebody who's maybe a, uh, a business person and you don't ever see them, it's always interesting because undoubtedly, everybody puts a, a visual in their mind's eye of what this person looks like. And it's always interesting to see if it matches or not. Right. Which...
0: <laughs> yeah, I think like, Greg and I, you have experience with that. Cause at roller ramp we talked to, I mean, people on the phone all the time. And then we've, you know, whether it's an international distributor or a local, you know, US dealer, you talk to them for, you know, months or years, and then you finally meet them face to face and they maybe look the same, or they maybe look completely different than what you were expecting.
2: <laughs> yeah, and in this, in this time now we have so many Zoom meetings, you know, we're having Zoom training with dealers and stuff. And so you get to see these people in person, which is a new experience. So,
3: yeah, right, right.
0: So I, I have another question for you, Alan. That you know maybe you can talk about. So in the when you're kind of in the disability community, there's you know big advocacy for you know the people first language, or you look at the person and you don't say oh the wheelchair person, you say well the wheelchair user, or um, and you know maybe sometimes so you know someone like Greg might call himself crippled, but he just does it because, you know, talking about himself. Right. But one of the, you know, we have some certain phrases that we use and one of them is say, it's like where if we're together and then we're going to get together at some point in the future, we say, well, see you later. So <laughs> and I've become much more aware of that since knowing you. So is that something that is offensive to you? And or the blind community when we say well we'll see or we'll see you later well we're getting together but right t- talk about that please the-
3: sure sure well uh, that, that doesn't bother me um, see you later I mean it's it's a part of the you know our our, you know, our language and you know we. It doesn't bother me at all because I know what it means. I know it. Is. We're going to get together. It's it's see ya. It's it. It's just fine. I mean, it might be offensive to some people, but it certainly isn't offensive to me. <clears throat> and i I not have I've not heard that it's it's a problem for a lot of people either. No. Okay. Because it's well, it's such a part of our our language. Uh, so. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Right. Well, and so
0: thats because, you know, like you said, it's just part of our language. It's like, okay, we're gonna sign off. See you later, which just means, like, even if we don't all, you know,
3: <laughs> Maybe not literally, yeah. Together, I mean, yeah,
0: we'll be getting together. We'll be. It's just a part of the language that means the meaning is we will.
2: Right. We'll convene, we'll reconvene.
0: (laughs) Reconvene, yeah. Are there other tips that you might have for CAPE? So, people who were cited for interacting with a blind or visually impaired person for the first time?
3: Just, yeah, uh, yes, there are. Um, I guess, you know, a lot of people assume, make the assumption that they know what, what, a person who is blind needs and the and the appropriate thing to ask is can i help you and it's not uh-huh. you know some people have all of a sudden i feel a tug on my arm they're not they're not introduced themselves they, they just grab my arm thinking that they're going to guide me uh, and that's 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 a shock because i i you know, many times i haven't Heard them because I'm concentrating on, on trying to get where I need to go. Uh, I, you know, I people pass me by a lot uh, when I'm on campus, and you know I don't pay no real attention to that. But if somebody grabs me all of a sudden, that's, <laughs> that's uh, um, and and you know they will open the door for me and I don't know where, where they're standing in relation to the door. Yeah, great. <laughs> right.
0: But in your experience as you, you know, during normal times I'll say, so not during a COVID pandemic, but during normal times as you're walking around the the university campus at North Dakota State University, do you find people are pretty respectful of your space and they don't like cut you off or walk in front of you?
3: Pretty,
2: uh, they're pretty, pretty
0: good. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You
2: know, as, know as, as far as people helping, you know, Brad and I, Brad, you could probably comment on this too, but as far as, you know, I go out in my manual wheelchair, I get it out of the back of my SUV, right? I shut the door, I get in it, and I, like you said, Alan, I can do anything you know, most anything that anybody else can do, any other man. So uh I'm very independent and people always say, you know, do you need do you need help or do you need help with that? And it's almost like, do you think this is my first trip out of my house since I've been in a wheelchair? I mean literally like my my maiden voyage where I need help immediately from the first person I see. So, I don't, I don't get mad, but I, it kind of irritates me, you know, because it's like, um, right. and I always say, no, I say, but thank you for your offer. Yeah. I always say that. I, you know, I don't right. say, I think it's my first trip out, am I, what am I, I'm a virgin out here in the woods or something, but uh, well,
0: cause people, well,
2: people want to help. People do, yeah. people want to help, and I have to, I have to accept that as being, being the reason. Brad, any comments you
1: know on that? going to realize. But anyway, um, I, I find that to be. I'm glad when people want to open the door for me, especially if they don't have electric yeah. doors. But um, you're right, Greg. I mean, they look at you like, you know, you need our help. But sometimes they can be overbearing, too. You know, you can be pulled one way and you don't want to go that way. You know, they. You know, yeah. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I was in a restaurant. I had my service dog, and I was wearing sunglasses. And I was in a restaurant, and they said, uh, your, your potatoes and meat are, uh, I, what it, you said, 5 o'clock or 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock. And I'm going, ma'am, I'm not blind. But you're wearing sunglasses, and you got a dog. I said, "I yeah, use my Service dog, he's not a blind dog, he's more working, um, helping pick up things and you know, stuff like that. So, oh, I thought you were blind, so I took my sunglasses off. So, after that, every time I had my sunglasses on, I'd take them off when I entered the restaurant because,
2: oh, yeah, yeah,
1: that was that was a situation where you know, everybody assumes. Because you have a service dog that you're blind. <laughs> but I always knew to take my glasses off, you know, when I when I was in a restaurant. Well, so, that's pretty
0: cool, though, that they the server, I mean, the yeah. intentions were yeah, in I'm the right not, place to help. I'm not yeah.
1: saying it wasn't cool. I, that was just a weird experience. Right, it, it was weird, yeah,
0: right.
1: right. And yeah. I could see. And she goes, how do you know? How uh, do you know? You know, I said, I could see you. I know what you're wearing. <laughs> you know, so yeah. that was weird. And my, my father happened to be there and he I thought it's a point He's in a wheelchair, that's it. But it was hard for him to accept the fact that that just because I had Bo at the time and you know that He had the right to go into every restaurant just like a service dog with a blind, that they, you know, had a purpose too. So, you know, I I told my dad after we got out of the restaurant, I said, the city of Jamestown needs a lot of education. And that's why I I advocate for a lot of education, because there's a lot of circumstances where uh, I think the the disabled community is very uh, misunderstood. What do you think, Alan? Do you think I'm correct or am I wrong? Oh,
3: no, I think you're you're right on. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I think. I mean,
1: I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if I was blind, how could I drive my electric wheelchair into right. the door, into the doorway? So you know, me, that was, uh, you know, that was a situation where yeah. I was very amazed that they see me come in the door and I could come in the door and I told them uh, the dog to back up to make it through the door so when when they understand, but I guess they didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, well, <clears throat> I mean, a lot of people
3: don't a lot of people don't understand uh, disability. They don't understand the, you know, they're each person who has a disability who is or who is blind we're not a homogeneous population we're 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 all different we're all individuals um,
2: right you're all still just people
3: yeah right.
0: and that that's a big part of why we have this podcast i mean just to educate the the public or listening audience on various disability related issues
1: right right mr peterson do you do any do you do much public speaking do you do any any speaking like do let's say any uh churches or any schools or anything like that any universities about disability issues
3: uh well i i am uh, an advocate so i do i've been uh, involved there uh in, you know, with um I have been a part of uh, different opportunities to educate people about disabilities, about people who are blind. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I'm uh, a very active member of our church. Uh, so um, I've, uh, they know me. I've been involved with uh, with different committees at church. I've been I've served on as a member of the church council. Uh, um, I, I go to the legislature, uh, I, I serve as uh, one of the legislative, uh, lead persons for legislative issues with North Dakota Association of the Blind. Um, hmm. so I've, I've been in the, at the, I've been at the legisla- legislature, so they know me. A lot of the legislators know who I am. Yeah. And, uh, Mm-hmm. i served i served as a board member for the american Council of the blind uh on a national level mm-hmm.
1: so you have to go to washington quite a bit
3: i've been i've been on capitol hill many times oh, yes oh, wow go so by yeah i started oh. started there in uh nineteen ninety eight uh, like the first time i was there mm- mm-hmm. Have you ever been to the White House? I have not been to the White House.
1: No, I have
3: not uh, I have okay it, it's uh, I got to meet uh
1: President Clinton and stuff like that so okay. you, know, uh, you know so it's an interesting place. I wouldn't want to work there though <laughs> I, <wouldn't, laughs> I don't think I would want to ever be president um. Because there's gonna be always somebody that disagrees with you.
0: So. <laughs> but yeah, there's de- definitely there. There's been a lot, a lot of progress the last years, the last decades. But there, there's always room for improvement. So.
3: I can't a that. Yes, it
1: is. I tell uh, you what, we're in a club, all oh, a unique club that most able-bodied people do not want to enter. But once they do. We're some cool people
2: so yeah you know. yeah an exclusive club but it well but oh. all are welcome yeah and I, and I and just to cap just to cap uh, it off here and just do a summary I think it's just a matter of uh, awareness more and more awareness that can be made uh, like what Alan is super active I mean I can't believe the list of things that you've been involved in and Brad you your public speaking and just adv- advocacy and awareness. And I guess my closing thoughts would be, Alan, I you're definitely an inspiration. I mean, somebody who's been dealt yeah, been dealt a hand, you know, a gut punch if you were when you were younger in your prime. And to to do what you've done, to accomplish what you've done and to be an advocate and to be as accomplished as you have, I mean, with with the uh the education uh certifications that you've gotten, I just have to commend you for that. You you're an inspiration to me and probably a lot of others.
3: Thank you over here too. Yep. So, yeah. no, I, 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 guess I couldn't, I can't see it any other way. I mean, I, I'm part of who I am.
2: Yeah. To you, it's nothing special anymore, you know, but still, for people that have can see and say, cause people will ask of any disability, and with yours, it's like, how in the world could he have gone on to this continuing education and do what he does when he can't even see? You know, people just—they're not just not even aware of the fact that people with disabilities, no matter what it is, they still manage to uh, to go on and lead successful lives. Any other closing thoughts, Bradley? Or no? Okay. I think that's probably about it. So.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. We'll, see,
3: we'll talk to you next time. All right. All right, bye-bye. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. No problem. Thank you.
0: Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. Sponsored by Ramp. This podcast features Brad Gabrielson, who encourages everyone with a disability to live life to the fullest. Rolleramp Ramp is a global company based in North Dakota, dedicated to helping people find solutions to accessibility needs. We hope you'll join us again next time on Living with a Disability, No Big Deal.